Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Curve America is back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Marco and Tad. How you guys doing? Week 15 in the books. Woo! Ridiculously excited. Forza Roma, big derby win. OTFR goes down in flames. And Chris Ross celebrates by Etubrute coming in here with the Starbucks <laughs> instead some... of the Dunkin' D. Dude, you were... You're looking sharp right now. That's right, man. You, be, you, get, you, you spend 75 cents to a dollar more on your coffee. And look, look at what it does to you, man. It, it did bite into my soul a little bit, man. It's, I don't th- like it. For those of you that haven't been listening from the beginning, Chris Ross has a giant Dunkin' Donuts Account. logo <laughs> tattooed on his back. <laughs> right above the heart with the mom and the arrow. Yep. America runs on Dunkin'. I'm a big fan, but uh, tonight I was in a pinch and have some Starbucks. It's the Christmas cups? Is that what got you? <laughs> yes, tis the season. They are nice. Yep. So we had a good weekend, guys. Uh, we were with uh, Roma Club DC at Ireland Four Courts here in uh, the DC area. Um, it was just a fun time. Nine o'clock in the morning for us on the East Coast. Yes, part of the reason why I'm so tired today and had such a useless day at work today, I think I drank the rest of Marco's coffee left over from the week before. <laughs> You're still grossing me out with that story. 9 a.m., Guinness in hand, raffles ready to go. Like 350 people turned up to Roma Club. New yep. chant, too. We had we finally got a chant. It only took three years. That's right. And people yep. got hyped on that. I was like, oh, man, this could crash and burn. Like, you know, Marco's going to come and shush everybody. And then he's going to do this chant. And everyone's going to be like, lame. Yeah. And then it's like, no, we're all kind of lame. But no, it, it rocked it. I think Sid was super pumped about it. He even posted the lyrics on uh, on Facebook. Nice. Dude, Sid nice. is the most Italian, non-Italian person that I know. <laughs> he is always screaming during games in Italian, cussing left and right <laughs> with a good, very nice accent on him, though, yeah, I have he to does. say. He's got the Italian words down. There's one thing I'd say about Sid. He's got a great accent on him. Yep. <laughs> Love the guy. Also want to give a little shout out, uh, Brian uh, came out joining us at halftime. He reached out to us at Fabio at CurveAmerica.com. So, uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. That was cool to meet you and uh, hope hey, you enjoyed Brian, the game. Brian, you're all right. You're yeah. all right, guy. Brian, you can come back next time. Yeah. Anytime you want. Bring your wife. Bring we'll bring bring the Cornetti. <laughs> so it was a good weekend uh, for us. Wasn't so great for uh, one particular Fiorentina fan. Uh, just some current events here, guys. Matteo Renzi offering his resignation after the uh, referendum in Italy. Did you guys follow that at all? I voted for that. <laughs> <laughs> you with your dual citizenship. Gotcha. It, it was a shame. It's a shame that he's gonna he's gonna go because he's trying to. Uh, well, let's not get political here, but he was a young guy, and I think some sometimes Italy could use that, not just in the city. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So pretty par for the course for Italian politics, though. Just the way the things all set up, they see a lot of ins and outs with uh, the the prime ministers and whatnot. So, I mean, if he can take a page out of Berlusconi's book, this might not be the last time we see him. Yeah. He could come back with with a with a vengeance. Um, but I just want to go back to. Roma Club DC yesterday, guys. It was so <laughs> awesome. It was so awesome. It's just that that feeling you get when the first Roma goal goes in, which you think it's like never going to happen. Everyone erupts. It was, it was probably the closest thing to being in the stadium mm-hmm. than to not being in the stadium. It was it was it was super cool. So I just want to give an extra shout out to all the Curva DC that came out yesterday. Um, you know, we're all big Syria fans of the whole thing here in the podcast, but you guys made it live. It was super awesome. Even even one random uh, uh, Fiorentina fan came with Marco's dad. Yeah. What, what was that? Was that Matteo Renzi's dad? Yeah. And he put in he put in on the raffle for the freaking jerseys. <laughs> Good for and him. I'm gonna say it now. It was uh, we took his money, but I I, uh, 
I crumpled up his his papers very oh. tiny. It was, was going to be a very slim chance that he won. Like realistically, yeah. he didn't even want that jersey. He was, just, he was just donating. Fiorentina fans are welcome at uh, all our Serie A games, including Senor Renzi. If I'm sure he's a podcast paisano. But we, the game was on BN, man. Yeah. I mean, just amazing that apparently Real Madrid and Barcelona weren't playing. We got a 9 a.m. game. Everyone turned up. It's not like, uh, you know, all the other weeks where, you know, you're having to watch the granular thing. I know we talk a lot, but like BN, you know, it's just the bane of my existence <laughs> in terms of their coverage of the Serie A. Yeah, we were surprised, man. We uh, did. Oh, you don't like, you don't like multi-calcio? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was surprised with being uh, happy with the picture this week uh, for once. But uh, we're looking for El Clasico, which was on the day before for being uh, Barcelona and Real. Already counting down to the next Clasico after one game. I'm surprised that they didn't show. I'm surprised they showed the Derby instead of just like the channel was just a countdown to the next Clasico. Yeah, that's what I was expe- legitimately expecting, some type of La Liga reference during or, our, our Or at game. some point they minimized the Roma game, you know, screen, and then they just like, just just to remind you in big, bold letters right. or numbers that there's a count, countdown for Clasico. Yeah. So it was fun to watch on, on TV with uh, high def for a change. That was nice. Speaking of high def, uh, here in the States, we'll be able to watch another high def game here. MLS Cup, that is on Saturday. And there's a little bit of an Italian story there. We got Sebastian Jovinko, who plays for Toronto FC. Uh, Toronto is playing the Seattle Sounders. So, guys, what do you think? A former U of Antino with uh, Jovinko. Uh, you think he's going to raise the cup this year for uh, Toronto? I love watching Jovinko play. He's got a chip on his shoulder right now because he didn't get top three in the running for the uh, MLS MVP of the year. And as soon as they announced that, he scored a hat trick in the game before. Oh my God! That yeah. com- that, the, the comeback on the second leg against Montreal was just unbelievable. Most excited I've ever been about a game played in Canada since the last time the United States men's hockey team played a hockey game against yeah. Canada and Canada. Yeah, no, it was definitely cool. Uh, there's a, definitely a rivalry there between Montreal and, and Toronto. Even as an American, I got into it. That was that was cool to see. Um, and no shade on Canada. I love Canada. Toronto and Montreal, amazing yep. cities. Yep. Um, yeah, guys. So so looking forward to the MLS Cup. That's some exciting things. We do definitely have to bring up uh, for a moment uh, joining the soccer community sadness. Um, Curve America's thoughts with Brazil's Chapo Coense. Uh, everyone knows by now a, a tragedy with the plane crash. Um, we just here at the at the podcast just want to kind of give props to everyone in the soccer community who has really kind of sent their love and support to the team. Uh, if if you're following any type of soccer, you've definitely seen the um, the tributes given out there. So and not just soccer, the the whole sports world, all over ESPN, um, you know, really touching stuff. And the uh, the Colombian team that the Nacional. The, the tribute they did with like 150,000 yeah. fans inside, outside In the, the stadium. stadium. Yeah. That was really beautiful. And they, they ended up giving the the trophy to the Chapacoense. Um, but you you know, just, just a tragedy. Think, think about what an international game this is and how many players, you know, not only in the Serie A, but in the Serie A, I guess, in particular, since we're a Serie A podcast to point out, how many of these guys that play are from Brazil? And you've seen the guy like Sandro score and, you know, him him holding up the shirt that says Forca Chapacoense. Um, you know, just, it's just really all around that uh, it's, there's some things that are more important than soccer. And, uh, you know, this, unfortunately, the season so far, we've seen that tragedy uh, that's touched the Syria as well as the earthquakes. And, you know, just to see kind of humanity band together, um, yeah. you know, and back people up. So, yeah. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time we've had uh, airline tragedies. Uh, Manchester United has lost a team in the past, and we talked about this early on with Torino, uh, the the Superga disaster in 1949, where they lost most of their team, but also the Italian national team. I thought it was cool for the social media stuff. Um, you know, Torino directly connecting with with Chapacoense, saying we're fraternities in tragedy here. So. Just to tie it back to Syria, um, that, that we, we, we've seen uh, uh, things like that before, unfortunately. So thoughts to the soccer community. Well done uh, with, with, the tri- with the tributes, um, and we move forward. For social media, guys, we want to talk about that again. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We've already mentioned Fabio at Curve America. Uh, so please hit us up 
I'm happy to report that we do have uh, a growing list of people uh, talking about the podcast. Oh, you guys are fired up out there. First one uh, has got to be at Hang the DJ joining Tad and I, I think, for calling out Marco, drinking like four or five day old coffee here. And seriously, uh, I, his his comment was basically, I thought Italians took pride in their in their coffee. Uh, he was I, appalled. I had more respect for coffee yeah. than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we don't let it. We don't let it go to the grave when there's still a good drop oh, of, in the cup. You lost me there, man. Dude, good thing we keep Marco off Twitter, man. He might have gone after uh, uh, hang the DJ like Donald Trump at 3 a.m. Yeah, right. Just blowing him up. So have some of my Starbucks tonight, Marco, please. No, man, that's a little too bougie for me. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, I'll bring Dunkin' Donuts. Um, all right, uh, another one we got, uh, Thomas on SoundCloud. No questions, just stellar comments as always. Uh, or, or always uh, putting his uh, two cents in during the podcast. Uh, Thomas, we, we you appreciate got, that. have you gotten your olive oil yet, or do we need to fire Chris? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It's on its way. <laughs> then Marco keeps drinking it. <laughs> yeah, and putting it in his hair. Yeah, you might get a half full uh, yeah. bottle of olive oil. Just testing it to make sure it's not poison, you know, the, 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 the Italian way. Another uh, comment on SoundCloud, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Giacomo or Johnny seems to have both names on there, but um, had a question for the podcast. What is Curve America referencing when we say OTFR? I Who wants to take it? The, well, I mean, it's the team in the Syria. Yes, that's that they, is they, true. They, oh, Team Voldemort. Yes. Yeah. Team team who shall not be named. Right. Um, There's two teams in Rome. We're Roma fans. So who's the other team? The other team from Rome. And we'll let everyone uh, Google that out. Uh, we, we, we do uh, kind of the logic behind it. We try not to use offensive words on the show, trying to keep it family friendly. So any curse words to start with L, we, we just don't have time for that. Basically, Rome is located in the region of the other team from Rome. And other team from Rome, acronym OTFR. Um, it's a team that shall not be named. Yep. So we, we do acknowledge uh, OTFR is a good team. It's done in good fun, uh, but we, we are admittedly Roma fans, so uh, we try to keep it clean with the uh, OTFR. Another one coming from Twitter, at um, Wisdom Zero, kind of commenting, thinking Serie A is a weaker uh, league. And um, For, Yeah, the question was, is, you know, is a league comparative to what it was last year? Is it comparative now to the beginning of the season? I didn't really quite understand that part of the question, but... Under the auspices that he thinks that the Syria is the weakest it's ever been, ironically coming from a guy named Wisdom Zero, it, it, it's an interesting question because it, for me it's, you know, how do you measure the strength of a league comparatively to others? Um, there's a few barometers I guess you can put out there in terms of their success in Europe, and true, yeah. you know, I mean, you, the Syria has not had a whole lot of success in Europe. Um, as of late outside of, you know, Roma makes a couple quarterfinal runs in the Champions League. Uh, Juventus had, you know, they, they, they were in the, the final of the Champions League a couple years ago. It doesn't seem the Italian teams take Europa very seriously, and Juventus has totally dominated the league. Um, so from that standpoint, I can, I can hear where that's coming from. It also doesn't help that you know, two of the traditionally strong teams, Inter and um, AC Milan, have you know had a couple down, a couple of years. Um, but the weakest has ever been. I don't know about that. It's pretty harsh. Yeah, I I still say I think Italy's in the top three in Europe. I'm obviously biased, but uh, we just had a Classico that you know wasn't that great this this year uh, or this weekend. I don't know. I I think the action in in Syria competes with with uh, the the top of Europe. So. Yeah, if you ask me, obviously still bias um, at Wisdom Zero. The the league is is changing the way it's uh, approaching, you know, the youth system, and you're seeing a lot of youth players come through uh, in Milan. A lot of good Italian products that are coming up through the ranks. Uh, maybe right now, maybe the past couple seasons. It's been uh, a bit of a rebuild uh, for Serie A. Yeah, I mean, compared to the heyday it was in the you know in the '90s and early 2000s when it was clearly the best league. And we want to just I just want to make one last point on that is you know football is a, a so it's a basically a economic indicator in itself. If the, the economic crisis didn't just hurt you know businesses, it also hurt Serie A. Yeah. 
All right, guys, let's, uh, we don't have any Europa or Champions League uh, to report on quickly, but we do have Copa Italia that it's admittedly too soon to uh, start talking about these games, uh, but we do want to mention because some of the Serie A teams did get knocked out this week uh, in Copa Italia. So first, what is Copa Italia? We kind of kicked it around. The best comparison we would have for an American audience would be it's like the NCAA March Madness tournament. You got people dancing, small teams with big teams. And that's if once you get knocked out, you're out. Uh, and, and so that's how it typically goes. Uh, last year's winner, Juventus. Um, no surprise there. But you'll see uh, uh, later on in the, in the uh, season, this will kind of become a bigger thing when people talk about wanting to win the triple Serie A, Champions League, and uh, Copa Italia. I think another important thing to point out about the Copa Italia is it runs concurrently with the season. And like Chris said, yeah, it's it's like the NCAA tournament because you can have like a beer league team. Um, you know, like Vincenzo won it in 1997. You know, a team that doesn't play in the Serie A has the opportunity to win it. You've seen other domestic cups in other leagues where there's, you know, kind of lesser teams, smaller provincial teams that are able to go on and win the whole thing. But how it's set up is, you know, there's no postseason in the Serie A. So it's not like, you know, the MLS or even other traditional American sports where season wraps, top teams, they go on, they play a knockout tournament to end the whole thing. It's concurrently with the season they're doing that. Um, so look at it as it like, not a postseason, a current season tournament. Right. Exactly. So there's a lot going on there. We, we really felt like it's too early to report on it. So we're just going to move on. We'll, we'll touch on it during the podcast today for some of the surprise results. So guys, with that said, let's talk about week 15. We'll start off with the rundown. The Serie A this week was a tale of two sides of the table where the top teams played each other with big implications and the bottom played in empty stadiums. That was definitely true. Pjanic steps up and becomes the man Juve paid for, while Iguain fails to score yet again. Guys, Roma won the derby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Case that hasn't become painfully clear. And uh, Napoli wins convincingly, and Milan wins a squeaker. And we think maybe there were some other games. We don't know. It's possible. Let's talk about it. Guys, let's start off with the top five. First one being Juventus and Atalanta. Tad, start us off. Juventus, Atalanta, the old lady versus the goddess. Uh, Juventus rocks this one, 3-1. Juve reminds us all who the real kings of the Serie A are. Uh, I mean, a lot of discussion leading into this game. Uh, you know, We were all really excited because Atalanta, you know, we had this, this ongoing thing, are they for real, are they not for real? You know, all this comparisons to Leicester City from last year. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I was kind of getting annoyed with it because how many, you know, how many big teams does Atalanta have to beat in the Serie A um, before we're considering them for real? Well, apparently they had to beat the team in the Serie A. And Chris, you called it, man. They did not. <laughs> Juventus thrashed Atalanta. Yeah. Yeah, kind of saw that coming. Uh, particularly, I think it might have been a closer game if Juve didn't lose last week. But they did. And so that's kind of in the story. Every time Juve's lost, whoever they got coming up next. Yeah, I think they have a 13-1 to 1 goal differential off of coming off of losses yeah. this year. So, I mean, apparently, you know, uh, the Lord and Savior himself could pick his dream squad and they couldn't beat Juve, the, you know, week after um, they beat somebody. And unfortunately, Atalanta has to play Juve at home. Um, and, you, you know, I mean... Atalanta for a small team, they didn't come in and play this game with a whole lot of fear. Juventus with their backs up against the wall, you know, having all this injury troubles, comes in and tries something new. He tries a 4-3-1-2. He puts Pjanic in what is known as the Trequarista role. Trequartista. Chief pronunciator. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Allegri. Has to deal with these injury problems. Um, he comes out in a 4-3-1-2 and played Pjanic in what is known as the... Trequartista. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and for Pjanic's credit, you know, this is a role that I think a lot of pundits have been talking about he needs to do. He needs to slide up. He needs to play behind the strikers and the wingers. And he needs to distribute the ball with his, you know, superior passing skills. And what we've seen in the past, you know, as a Roma fan... 
um, which is painful to us, is that when the, the going gets tough, sometimes Pjanic tends to disappear for a few games. Well, Allegri seems to have found the right role for him here, and he was just dropping dimes like crazy. Two assists in this game, um, and this looks to be maybe Juve's uh, formation, you know, now that they uh, you know, are battling with a lot of injury, injury problems until they can get their, you know, power starting 11 back. Um, and, you know, the Mandzukic-Pjanic duo in this game was amazing. Mandzukic, we've seen get better and better every week. You know, the mercenary himself has really kind of found a role being able to be the clear-cut striker, um, well, be, be the, the tandem striker with Iguain, and he came in and I think had his best game yet. I mean, a, a box-to-box forward. He has he has a save of the week nomination. So yeah, Juve yeah. relies on a couple of big stars and just wallops Atalanta. Definitely, and Mandzukic right now filling the, the shoes that Iguain uh, is leaving empty. I mean, Iguain has seven goals, but. After the season he had last season, you would be expecting him to stay at the top of the Capocagnoneri list the entire time. Tad, did I say that right? <laughs> but yeah, so. Pjanic, uh, I think everybody was expecting him to be the new Pirlo, maybe even himself. The uh, re- reality is that Pirlo is one in a million, and uh, Pjanic, uh, he's got the free kicks down, uh, but a little bit of a different player. I do like him a little bit more advanced. Um, he just he can run a little bit more than than Pirlo did. I just think that Juventus right now is in a good position, winning this game against Atalanta. Not only because they maintain their uh, gap at the top of the table, but they have a, a kind of a breezy game in Champions League this week. They're already through to the group stage. Uh, you know we'll touch upon who they're playing next week, but again it's. It's looking nice right now for Juve. They can kind of sail into this, you know, at end of the December. Iguain, though, is an interesting thing for Juve at this point because Iguain has failed to score in four games in the Serie A in a row. And, yeah, he had kind of a hot start. Is he, you know, we, we've discussed, this, you know, has he been out of shape? Is he worth the money? You know, all these big questions are going to follow such a huge signing. I mean, $94 million. And I think that, you know, Juve having a four-point lead definitely takes the heat off him some, but I think even in the Italian press, the English press, it's starting. The question starting to come up: Is is this guy really? You know, what, what? What? Why isn't he producing at a higher level? The point that Allegri even had to defend him at the end of this game, being like, "Oh, you know, he's getting his chances. He's going to score." But it's definitely starting to be noticed that Iguain. Um, is not producing at the highest level. And I, I asked you guys, why do you think that Iguain had such a rough month? I, I saw, I can't remember who said it. It might have been Allegri. Uh, but uh, basically the quote was, Iguain didn't come to Juventus to be a goal scorer. He came to Juventus to be Iguain, which is a cop-out for $94 what, million. What does that mean? I think, <laughs> I think it honestly means there are so many superstars here that if he's not contributing we're not really dying without him like he he'll get his chances he'll get his goals he should have just said you know he didn't come here to be a goal scorer he came here to be a winner that would have been better yeah but i mean do you necessarily need to spend all that money on a guy who's not i mean you 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 buy iguain to win the champions league yeah and so i guess it's not overly important that he's playing for syria but there has to be a reason why that this guy who's so dominant last year Perhaps the best center forward in all of Italy last year. Now, I know Dybala has been hurt, but Iguain is used to playing by himself up top. You know, is it a new system, or do you think that maybe he's a little out of shape, or do you think that maybe he just lacks a little confidence? No, he's just a striker who's in a moment, uh, you know, strikers go hot streaks, cold streaks, and again, you, you know, that just happens even with the top strikers. One thing, though. Fabio just fact-checked me. I said that Juventus is going to be smooth sailing towards the end of the year, and then I looked down at the at the schedule, and they played Torino, Roma, and Milan before year's end. So, uh, dude, Fat Boy G is going to have to knock in some goals with that schedule. <laughs> that's right. That's that's uh, closest thing we have to a playoff system. Before we move on, um, did you guys see that video that Patrice ever put out? I saw it. I yeah. put it up on the on the Twitter account. Where him singing Barry White and ironing his jersey, yeah. talking about how he loves Monday. How many yeah. songs does this guy know? I mean, apparently he's just a soundtrack, you know, to the Juventus team. Just comes out every once in a while singing some some golden oldie. How about uh, for Atalanta guys? Uh, because they were the hot team. They admittedly run into Juve here, but anything on them? I think the interesting thing about Atalanta in this game is 
Frank Kessie is obviously him and, and, and Papu Gomez are kind of what makes this team run. They do have a lot of young Italian stars, but Frank Kessie, you know, being the solid player that he's been, you know, the young starlet for this team and Papu Gomez, their create, you know, their creative mastermind. Papu Gomez played well, but Juventus did a game plan to attack Frank Kessie and Frank Kessie, in my opinion, had by far the worst game of the season so far. They really targeted him. He had a hard time, you know, with his first touch. He had a hard time, you know, keeping Juventus players off the ball. They really put it to him. And if Frank Kessie wants to take it to another level, he's got to expect great teams to play him in this manner. And also, uh, when I was watching the game, I, I, I just think that Atalanta had a few chances that they needed to take. Uh, we talked about it briefly, and we'll talk about it later in the saves of the week, but Mandzukic had two shots that he took, one off the chest, one off the head. Uh, goal-shaped games, and if you don't score it with Atalanta and you're already down 2 nothing, game over. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. Atalanta's okay. They're uh, tied with 28 points with fourth, fifth, and sixth teams. Uh, they're, they're holding in sixth place. Uh, so they're still around. It was Juve. Um, what are you going to do? Hey, man, my prediction still stands. I said that they did not have to win this. They did not have to get a result in this game. They can still they, they play Empoli and Udinese, and then they play Milan. They, if they, they have to get a result, and they got to take those other six points to maintain my prediction that these guys will be in third place by the break. <laughs> but they'll be, in, they'll be in Champions League position. Holding you to it. Tad the Oracle. Let's move to uh, our second game. We got the game of the week for us. Game of the week. Game of the week. We've got the other team from Rome. Game of the week. <laughs> I'm trying to make it a segment, man. All right. Capitale per la capitale. <laughs> Look up the lyrics. That's right. We got Roma. I like this headline. Just too much class for OTFR. We're admittedly biased with uh, uh, being uh, members of Curva DC, but uh, Marco, what do you got uh, with, with the game here? Uh, start us off. I mean, that's exactly right, you know? We're uh, Curva DC here, and we're to say that Roma has too much class for OTFR, it's really just look at the players on the field. You know, like in the in this beginning of the season, I think that everybody knew that Roma was trying to win the championship. Uh, I don't think Lazio had this. Oh! <laughs> it's a family show, man. Hey, Come yeah, on. Giacomo is going to be all over you now. I don't think that OTFR has the same caliber of players, and I don't think they had the same aspirations. So. Uh, that's why, you know, I, I think we can get away with saying they had too much class. But beyond that, midfield in Rome, I mean, De Rossi, Strutman, Nangolan were impeccable. Exactly who you want them to be. Exactly yep. who we thought they would be. And, On the midfield. You know, in the first half, I think uh, OTFR had their chances, uh, in, you know, including the one by uh, Chire Mobile, who's been really hot this season. Shanks went inside the box. I think that could have changed the game the way the, the game ended up going. But, you know, Roma comes out in the second half and a massive mistake from Wallace. And my favorite moment of this entire weekend was last night, Sunday night, watching the replay of that of the goal where Wallace gets the ball taken from Kevin Strutman and, and chips over the goalie. Uh, Marchetti was listening to the highlights from the Carlo Zampa equivalent of the yeah. OTFR fan base, the the guy was just so down, just and it felt so good inside. And yeah. I think that Inzani, all he could ask at that point is, "Where's Wallace? Where's Wallace? Where's Wallace?" String. Love love the wire reference. Greatest show on TV ever. That was a good one. Yeah, I mean, Wallace has been playing so well in his last couple of weeks, and it's it's really you know it's a real head scratcher what he was thinking there. You know, I guess the derby just got to his head. Uh, but then <laughs> Nangolan, like I said, he was the best player on the field, in my opinion, yeah. comes down, streaking down in the second half, takes his usual rocket shot, you know, just about 75% of them go all over the place. But the Great ones shot. that are on, on the goal, stands. they yeah. go in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just the game The game goes into a frenzy. Really, I, I need to. we need to talk about real quick. After Kevin Strootman's goal, you know, Kevin Strootman, the guy that we all know him to be disciplined and the way he plays and, you know, he looks like a stone hedge, you know, hard to smile. But after his goal, he goes up to the OTFR bench and sprays a little water on him. So that gets uh, Cataldi all, all 
pissed off and he grabs Strootman's neck and Strootman dives yeah. on the ground, gets the red card for the player on the bench who is a young star who may have, you know, probably come in and been been a good player. I don't know. I think that was uh, strategic on uh, Strootman's part. Roma takes over the game, game over after 2 nothing, and uh, they just they get the job done with a clean sheet. Like, that is such a beautiful thing to see. I know Roma scores a lot of goals. They have 35 this season, but they've been kind of shaky in the defense, so it was a really good result. So that brings up a good point on the defense. Uh, we had a question uh, from... At, from from Gomat. From Gomat. Uh, from Gomat. A, a fella, a Roma Club DC guy. Uh, who's got the question? Gomat, thank you for the question. At Curve America, is the back... Three, a successful but short-term solution to our injury woes or a viable long-term option with Roma's squad? For me, it was a short-term fix. Uh, we weren't expecting Salah to go out, and that seemed to be the, the reason why this change happened. We had to plan on him going out. So I don't think it's a long-term solution, though. I honestly, in the beginning of the season, when we picked up Vermeulen and I saw Rudiger was coming back, I thought that a, a three in the back was a great option. Because we also grabbed Fazio, so we had a little bit of depth. We got three center backs right there. And honestly, Bruno Perez, Florenzi, Emerson, these are all attacking wing backs. And I thought if we could adopt this system, three in the back, with De Rossi sitting in front, I thought that that was going to be the most dangerous Roma we were going to get. And a little bit more support for Jekyll, too. Um, I, th- I mean, I'm going to take it to another step, though, and, and, and kind of addressing the injury woes that Gomat's talking about. In the recent weeks, Juan Jesus has played so bad that they really have to develop a strategy to keep some of these players that seem to be at some points total liabilities off the field. So um, Spalletti's got to come out with some sort of answer, some sort of ingenuity um, to make it to keep some of these more, I I guess, just disappointing players off the field and and play to his strengths. And I'm going to say that when they're game planning for this game, he really harped on the midfield that we're going to go three in the back and you guys have to dominate here. And so short-term solution is what I'm saying. With, with the pieces that we have right now, it's going to take some soul-searching or a nice transfer at the transfer window for us to consistently play three in the back. Some other uh, highlights in the game here. we got to mention this, guys. Ricardo Kishner, super sub, comes on with the craziest hairstyle you've seen this side of Orange is the New Black. Uh, guys, what'd you think? Uh, any references there for, uh, he came out with like these tight four looking like the Hellraiser. Yeah, exactly. Or pinhead like, or something like, like that. Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice. In the hood. I thought it was a Wayans brother when he came out, man, yeah. with that wig. Although I mean like, how are we going to trash him? And we're going to talk about Nangolan and his haircut. I mean, no, because Nangolan is a good player. I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> he can, he can pull it off. Yeah. But Kishna, man, coming out like Suzanne and crazy eyes and orange is the new black. Maybe, maybe I uh, want to change that up for the next game. I mean, yeah, he lose a bet. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, other stuff, guys, uh, we're going to just blow through these. Cause, uh, we admit, right. Derby was a derby is a derby and it's going to be hot tempers. Um, I mean, yeah, you got Strootman spraying water on people, almost a whole brawl erupts. Over that, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, a bench player gets thrown out, Marco mentioned, uh, with a red card. Uh, 18 fouls in the first half. Uh, It did get hot. And I I think, uh, you know, we do want to mention, too, we have to mention it, right? After the game, tempers continue to be hot. Lulich from uh, OTFR had the following comment uh, on, on Antonio Rudiger for Roma who's a German national player. Um, Afri- African-German national African, player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the quote is, quote, Rudiger was provoking us even before the game. Two years ago, he was selling socks and belts in Stuttgart. Now he acts like he's some sort of phenomenon. It's not his fault. It's those around him and uh, who didn't teach him any manners, end quote. So obviously uh, racial overtones there, uh, uh, fairly offensive to, to anyone, frankly, um, Rudiger's on the German national team. He was born in Berlin. He's played for great teams like Stuttgart and Borussia Dortmund in the past couple years and has made the German national team. I mean, he's a good player. He plays for Roma, has been heavily linked to Chelsea. Yep. You know, he's considered one of the bright young stars in the defense, yeah. ironically playing for Germany, who doesn't have a very good defense. But you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and missed the Euro because of a torn ACL, but was definitely in their plans for this past summer despite the injury. Well, they kind of f- frame the quote and why it's offensive is in European cities, 
traditionally African immigrants sell knockoff handbags and belts and whatnot. So if you're ever traveling around Europe and you're in these cities, you see the the African immigrants do this. And usually are poor people um, that are sometimes looked down upon by the indigenous people. So by saying this, it's just the epitome of racism. He, he's, he's, he's degrading somebody for their lot in life based on the color of their skin. Yeah. And then to further it, uh, I mean, obviously this, this went around the media right away, uh, especially in the age of social media. Um, he was kind of given an opportunity to apologize, and his response was shrugging his shoulders and a new quote, quote, white people sell socks too. I said how I feel, end quote. Well, that was at the end, but when I watched the, the actual interview, on you know national television uh they asked him it's like yeah we know tempers fly you know in the in the derby but you know are you really you really stand by those comments uh the stuttgart comments and then he thought about it for a second and he's like oh i gotta answer this question he's like yeah that's how i feel it's like look man it's it's on city on now yeah uh, they need to act they need to ban him I wouldn't mind if he gets expelled, obviously, like just get him out of the country. We don't like we don't need right now in the, in the news that going around that one of the, like the players on the top teams in in Serie A is saying this thing. And basically, it's not like it slipped. And even, even if it did slip, it would be terrible. Right. But he like stood by it firmly and yeah. he like just needs to go. If he's not if he's not fined and suspended, it'll be a tr- absolute travesty. Yeah, I would say he needs at least four games. I think he needs a heavy fine. And the thing about this is he later issued an apology. But if you read the apology, it's so manufactured and put out. It wasn't this off the cuff. Um, you know, it, it wasn't this off the cuff thing that he said. That's you know pr- practically in his own words. It just reeks of being crafted. Um, it reeks of being crafted by OTFR. You know, that's why I'm sorry that I got carried away by the post-derby tensions and to have expressed myself in, in an opportune manner. Like, that that doesn't sound like it's coming from him. Yeah. So I, I question his authenticity. Um, Lulich, you're a rat. So credit to uh, uh, Syria kind of getting in front of it. We They do have a history with, uh, with racism. They're working to fix the problem. Credit to OTFR. They did offer an, a club apology very quickly. And I think we're just going to end this segment with the FIFA saying of say no to racism. That's something everyone should be able to get behind. Guys, let's jump to the next game. We got Milan and Crotone. And as you would expect, Crotone does not finish games well. They lose this one 2-1 in the 86th minute. Uh, um, The story here being Crotone goes up quick early with a a 1-0 with Falcinelli uh, getting one in the 26th. But then uh, they, it's just Crotone. As much as I love the, the Croutons and the Patagorici, they can't finish games. When, when did when did Lapadula score the winner? In like the 86th minute, right? Like right at the end. 86th minute, yep. A set piece, and uh, he spins on it, and goal. That's Cr- how Lapadula got Crotone it. Crotone has got to be dying for this one point against Milan. And they're parking the bus, and they can't keep Lapadula from scoring this goal. I mean, I'm sorry... I'm I'm done with Crotone, man. They 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 you got they have to get a result on this. And the fact that you know Milan can just knock one in just shows that these guys they deserve to be relegated at this point. Yeah, it's it. send them down, send them down in the middle of the season. They they can't finish games. Coach Nicola was angry after the defeat. That he was break his other hand. That that was what I was going to say. No word on any other appendages uh, if they got broken or not. But Milan takes this game. Uh, um, that's that's really the story there. So before that, we move on, guys, so check out this article on the, on the lads by Joshua O'Byrne, and uh, it's about Lapadula. It's put up on our on our Twitter page. It's a great story about how Lapadula is playing in Lega Pro three years ago, and now we scored four goals in four straight games from Milan. So it's definitely interesting to read about the rise of the youth for this team. Yep. Definitely, definitely. You know, he's been ha- he's been playing super well, and he he again, I think he gives. Milan team some uh you know dynamic speed up top and we also have to just point out yet another youth player scored a goal for for Milan I mean this team is stacked with youngsters yeah Pasolic he scored uh he was the first Milan goal 21 year old Croatian looks like he's soon to be a a Croatian international how long can Milan ride this youth and Suso and Lapadula well, they're rocking second place right now, and I guess we'll find next week with a huge test against Roma. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, Milan uh, tied with Roma with 32 points, so a big game next Monday for uh, the fight for second place. Uh, guys, let's move on now. We've got Napoli and Inter next. And this one ended, Napoli taking care of business 3 nothing. Marco, you got this game for us. <laughs> they didn't just take care of business. They took Inter to the cleaners. Yeah. Icardi had a couple chances, uh, but that's all I can really say about Inter. I mean, I guess they had a, uh, Candreva had a, a, a nice shot that was blocked by Pepe Reina as well. But, guys, Napoli looked very complete this game. And the first goal for me was the epitome of the type of team that Napoli can be against a big team like Inter. Insigne dribbles, Gabbiadini holds up, Hamsi gets a ball, diagonal pass, Kaihon, perfect layoff, one touch, Zielinski pings it to the corner. Picture-perfect goal, Hamsik. I mean, this guy, is he's got his goatee now, and uh, he just looks even more freaky with that hair and that goatee, but he has got, like, the golden touch. He's got that special something that you need out of your attacking mid and the captain of your team if you're Napoli. I can't wait for the next spinoff of The Walking Dead, and he's, um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's beating people with a spiked baseball bat, yeah. you know, in Italy. I haven't posted it yet, but there's one. He's got Harry Potter eyeglasses with, like, the faux hawk. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. We got we got definitely got to post that. If you guys want to see something scary, look up pictures of Hamsik when he didn't have uh, when he had like a buzz cut. It's <laughs> actually really creepy. But speaking of Walking Dead, guys, Gabbiadini, back from he's the alive. All right, finally had a good good game. I mean, really didn't score, but the hold up play uh, even had one play where he took it off the chest and little heel. Uh, I mean, this he's got the talent. He's a good player. He's just I don't know if he's gonna stay. Lots of stuff in the in the in the media talking about, you know, if a striker comes in during January, then he's definitely out. And they're talking about Pavoletti uh potentially coming in, the young Italian. Um but Manolo is a player that has quality and he showed it this game. Guys, Napoli is for real this week for Champions League. In Lisbona against Benfica, a must win. They have to win this game to advance because Besiktas playing the bottom of the the group. And guys, if Napoli doesn't go through on this group, it'd be an absolute shame. A lot of talk about how they're not playing for a draw. They're playing for a win. Yep. And they're back in the top four uh, where where we thought they would be all season. Uh, So credit to Napoli for, for staking their claim there. All right, guys, that takes us through the top five. We're going to take a break and then start up with the middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million square foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivery and installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. All right, up first, we're going to go with Sampdoria and Torino. Guys, not much to report on this one. Middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after an explosive top five, uh, these games are kind of crap. Um, but we'll start off. Sampdoria gets a victory here, 2-0. Um, the goal is coming from guys we really haven't heard from. Uh, Schick is the first one, who is another baby face killer. Holy Schick. Yeah. <laughs> another baby face killer. And maybe he's got an endorsement deal, guys, with uh, the Razor Company because he has no hair on his face. Keep him away from me. Yeah. Um, that's really the, the highlight. Uh, Barreto got another one. Uh, nothing else there. Uh, for Torino, the big news here, if they had won, they would have gone fourth. But now Sampdoria is right behind him because they won out. And I think, guys, we just turn our attention to Belotti. Il Gallo, the rooster, signed a new contract. What did you guys think of that? Holy cow. This guy has, his stock has skyrocketed by how he's played in the first half of the season. I mean, he's basically taken the place of, of Berardi as, like, the new hot thing in the Serie A. But a $100 million buyout clause for non-Italian teams. So that means he's going to Juventus? Exactly. Well, you know, I know the young strikers are at a premium. I think that's a little bit crazy to me, to be honest. But obviously, For half a season. It's, it's yeah. crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Torino is just trying to capitalize, obviously, off 
this golden rooster. So yeah, maybe he lays an egg too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of laying an egg uh, here, I, I forgot to mention Joey Bag of Donuts. He uh, got five hold in the second goal, so uh, not a great game for him either. Yeah, I think this Belotti contract is basically trying to get a blockbuster deal out of them if they can, but they're trying to go for it in the second half of the season, so it's just going to try and ward teams away. But Belotti's probably too big of a name to go in the January transfer window, but yeah, yeah I mean, wow, that's a rate. So that's it for that, guys. Let's keep going with the middle of the pack. We got next up is Palermo at Fiorentina. Uh, biggest story out of this uh, probably is Palermo finally firing Deserbi. It's been an ongoing joke for us here. He deserves Laters. it. He deserves it. Yeah, the last straw being we mentioned up at the top, um, uh, Coppa Italia is going on. Palermo got knocked out of the tournament by losing to Serie B club Spezia in the middle of the week. Hey, so. I mean, guys, Spezia, like, they took out Roma last year, and now they're taking out Palermo. These guys are the giant killers. Yeah, Palermo, of, the the, the of Serie B. giant. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I guess they're the and still Serie A team. Yeah, ba- uh, barely. Right, barely. New coach is going to be uh, Eugenio Carini. Uh, his last coaching stint was with Chievo way back in 2014, which says to me, guys, Zamparini, the the president of the of the team. You're just mailing it in here, man. Like, are, do you want them to get relegated or what? Uh, show some, show some effort. Yeah, here. It's, it's like it's like uh, in Major League, Chris. Sorry, Marco. Remember that movie? Yeah. Were they, they, were they trying to tank the season so they can move to like a, an Italian Riviera city or something like that? <laughs> so, guys, uh, final score being two-one. Uh, Bernadeschi put a penalty shot away. Um, Babacar uh, got a late winner here in the 93rd minute. Uh, so Bob, so uh, Laviola can breathe again. Other last thing to note here, just uh, Josh Perez, we had mentioned on the last podcast, he's an American. He did suit up again for this game. He didn't play, but just the fact that he's a substitute uh, on, on a Serie A team uh, a bench, that's, that's pretty impressive for an 18-year-old from California. So uh, kudos to him. Well, real quick, also, I think Bernadeschi was like one of – the only like top goal scorers in the league to uh, actually get a goal this this week. So yeah. after a massive goal scoring uh, frenzy last weekend, uh, the the goal scores this week were a little bit sedated. Yeah, I will mention uh, Palermo's one saving grace, Giallo. Perfect set piece, twenty two yards out. That was going to be my uh, goal of the week nomination. Just really nailed it. Worth checking out on YouTube. Oh, way, way to spoil the surprise, dude. Sorry, man. Sorry. Uh, but that's the result. 2-1 Fiorentina, and uh, let's just keep trucking on for middle of the pack here. Uh, Chievo and Gen- Genoa was next. Marco's going to take us away with this one. Guys, another G-O-T-W. I know that's a lot of acronyms for our boy Johnny, but this one's the garbage of the week. 1-2. <laughs> no, that's not the final score. Final score was 0-0. That's the shots on goal. Ouch. You saw three <laughs> shots on goal the entire game. Bit of a snoozer. And Birsa misses a terrible penalty, so there's Kievo's shot on goal. Not even. <laughs> yeah. Skies it over the keeper, so <laughs> not even. That's not even. That wasn't even the, the ball's shot still on goal. in the air right now. <laughs> I mean, the Genoa coach insists that a 0 0 draw uh, is a result because Verona is a difficult place to co to play. Uh, and the truth is that Genoa just missed a massive chance here uh, after some wild results. Uh, you know, beating uh, Juventus and Milan, you know, I would have put my money on them for with their momentum to to move forward and and maybe Simeone getting a couple goals against Chievo. Uh, now they play Inter, Torino, and Roma in the next four games. That was their chance to grab some points. I mean, I don't know. Middle, what do you of, the, middle of the pack for a reason. That's middle of the happens. pack for a reason, and. They may or may not be losing their best midfielder, in my in my opinion, and Rincon. What do you guys think? You think you'll go to Inter, Juve, or Roma during the January transfer? I think they're looking down the barrel of a gun to try and get some value out of the players that they have, if, especially if they drop nine points. I mean, they can hopefully find some more magic when they play Inter, Torino, and Roma, but I think that they have a steep hill, and it smells like sell time to a team going in the Jan- January transfer window. And then Kievo, they were our team. They were our golden boys, you know, after Sassuolo kind of started going down. But they've just been kind of boring to watch, and they've just not been getting any 
interesting results. So it seems like pretty easy to for, to be for other teams to figure them out, especially a defensive minded team like Genoa that seems to be totally fine with a zero zero draw. Yeah, they're only nine points away from a Europa spot, Kievo, but just not getting results here, and that's going to keep them in the middle of the pack. Moving on, we got another one: Bologna and Udinese. One nothing Udinese in this match. Yeah, apparently two teams played for about 90 minutes. <laughs> this one had a uh, a Genoa uh Kievo game written all over it and then Danilo blasts one in in the 93rd minute. Um big things to point about this game is it was Udinese's 110th birthday. So happy birthday Udinese, buon compleanno. And Di Natale was there. No word yet on how many cigarettes he was smoking <laughs> in the stands. He was hitting the, the hookah for the birthday. Yeah, I mean, Pulgar sees red. Danilo snatches a volley, like I said, the 93rd minute to win it. Um, you know, with this extremely gratifying win, Udinese are able to jump Bologna and Sassuolo for a compelling sole ownership of 14th place. I think that's really all that needs to be said about this game. I'll well, tell you, they should make a trophy for that. Just yeah. 14th place. <laughs> so, uh, okay, guys, the next game after Bologna and Udinese, let's take another one, Sassuolo and Empoli. To round off the middle of the pack. Marco, you got this one. Hey, the headline of this game has to be that Sassuolo punishes Empoli, mainly from the penalty spot because they got they got two of those. Yeah. Uh, three crucial points. Uh, the win gives uh, Sassuolo a nice nine-point buffer from the danger zone <laughs> that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but between now and January, they play Fiorentina, Inter, Cagliari, and Torino. So... You know, that's why this nine-point buffer is so important for them. And we got Di Francesco talking to Calcio Mercato, saying that he hopes to have Berardi in early January. I mean, Berardi went down in August with a leg injury that didn't seem too serious. And now Di Francesco is hoping to have him back in January. Uh, Sounds think, like rehab to me. Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's a there's got to be a bigger story there that I have not seen. Have you he's guys been, seen? He's any? been partying with Josh Gordon. Chris, <laughs> it's starting to it's time to start warming up, dude. So Swallow needs help. Yeah, I mean, oh, I got you. I'm gonna get called in. I got you. I'm I thought saying, I was playing for Palermo. I'm just saying that. Oh, Palermo, that's true. <laughs> they need me. Yeah, <laughs> they probably give you more money. <laughs> that's right. It's where the family's from, man. Get back to Sicily. That's right. But that's guys, right. did you watch this game? Was anyone even there? No, I, there was like seventeen people there. Yeah, it, it really was just quiet and can't get can't get too hyped for a Sunday afternoon Empoli Sassuolo game. The other thing I noticed with this was like as the game kept going on and on, like it kept getting darker and darker, and it's just like the mood kept going with the darkness. And just like no, I I don't want to be here. <laughs> well, if BN was classic, they would just you know put in the background soundtracks just fans, you know, and just like don't show the stands. I don't know. Hype it up. Yeah. So so not a good one here. Uh, final result, Marco? 3 nothing for Sassuolo. And uh, Empoli really just... They're just a carcass right now. They're just dragging around. Empoli have failed to score in 10 of their last 12 matches. Crazy. Every morning I feel like I need to wake up Empoli, make sure they get bottle fed, <laughs> and uh, they get on the bus to school with a, with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> And a, an apple because they are they are they are toddlers. Let's go, guys, to the Although, place. Do you bottle feed toddlers? I, don't know. <laughs> I have no kids. Guys, let's go uh, to the place no one wants to be: the danger zone, otherwise known as the relegation zone. Go ahead, Widow Richards. The danger zone. The danger zone. The I danger am. Zone. I am squeezing my groin when I say that. <laughs> Widow Richard. Richard Whittle is now the podcast spirit animal. There you go. Congratulations, Richard Whittle. You get your own segment. Chris, can we get one little danger zone? Just a little whisper or something. Highway to the danger zone. Nice. <laughs> Marco gets the movie reference, he'll, he'll, too. He'll, he'll give you an 80s movie reference. Yeah, I'm sure he got it. <laughs> that's, how I get, that's how he gets in my head. The only game we got to talk about here, because we talked about the two other teams, is Cagliari and Pescara. Tad, you got this one. Boy... I could write a book about this game, but I won't. We're gay whittling down towards. We're, we're Richard whittling down towards the end of the podcast. <laughs> Get him in the danger zone. Get him. Um, yeah, I mean, Pescara basically capitalized on poor discipline by Cagliari. This is a game Cagliari has to win after a big result last week for them. They got to beat teams beneath them, 
and they you know they they beat themselves and DiGennaro was the Jekyll and Hyde of this one. He had a, a beautiful, nice pass to set up Boriello, and then he picks up a double yellow, and Calgary has to play basically the last 60 minutes of the game with 10 men. Um, Gianluca Caprari scores an equalizer in stoppage time um, to, to end Pescara's seven-game losing streak. So Dolphins, feel free to come back up to the surface Blow that water out of your uh, out of your water your hole. Your blowhole is safe. And then go back down to the pits of the ocean as you play the next team. Um, they basically threw the kitchen sink at Calgary after they went down to ten men with nineteen shots, and they were able in stoppage time to pull out a one-one draw. Yeah, it worked, right? They yeah. got their point. Hey, but they went for it, man. I mean, that's one thing you like to see about these teams. Uh, hey, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Take no Crotone. Maybe throw the kitchen sink at people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean. It, apparently the dolphins turned into sharks. They smelled a little blood in the water. There you go. And they went for it. But uh, yeah, that's the end of the danger zone. <laughs> yeah, we've already so Piscara is in 18th. Crotone we talked to get about in the Milan segment. They're in 19th, and Palermo just at the very bottom of the table. Uh, Crotone Palermo have six points each with Piscara with eight, and that's your danger zone, the relegation zone for week 15. Guys, we want to keep going, and uh, let's go into a little bit of review here. Goals of the week for week 15. Let's hand out some awards. All right. What do we got? Marco, who's your goal of the week? Zielinski's goal uh, was a team goal for me, and I talked about it earlier, but just loved. I just love watching it. Insigne gets the ball, cuts up a couple guys, gives the ball into the walking dead man himself, Manolo Gabbiadini, pass it off to Hamsik. Hamsik scares the defenders away with his goatee and then lofts the ball over to Kaihon. Perfect one touch into Zielinski, who punishes the ball to the back corner. Guys, that's what I want to see out of Napoli, and that's what I want to see in the, against uh, Benfica on, on Tuesday, tomorrow. My goal of the week, uh, I'm going to go with Juventus. Basically, not because of how spectacular the goal was. It was just a capstone on the dominant performance that Pjanic and Mandzukic had. Um, it was a corner... Um, by Pjanic for his second assist. Drops a dime right on Manzuka's head, who knows exactly what to do with it. 3-1, dominant victory. For me, uh, my goal of the week I mentioned before was from Palermo, one of the only highlights we can talk about for them. Giallo in the 49th, definitely uh, for the podcast, Paisani, go check it out on YouTube. This was a perfect set piece, 22 yards out, side netting, great goal. Only, Only positive for Palermo in the game. And maybe for the whole season. Yeah. How about... uh, They deserved it. I like that. Deserved. Yes, that's the final reference we can do. He said it earlier. He wasn't paying attention. Carini. You're going to have to figure that out for the next uh, (laughs) one. Nice and easy. Carini. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How about at the other end, guys? Saves of the week. What do you got for that this week? It's got to be Peperina's save against Candreva. In the second half, uh, Inter was pressing for a little bit. Candreva... Had a rocket, uh, and then Morena just scoops it up. He got down, cat-like reflexes. Man, that guy's uh, getting old, but seems like his reflexes are, are still intact. I'm going to go with our first non-goalie save of the week. It's actually two saves by Mandzukic. He takes a rocket off the chest and then heads one away, and the second shot absolutely saved Atalanta and kept the pace of the game in Juventus's favor. I'm going to go with one close to our hearts, guys. Walter, he thinks my tractor is Chesney. Uh, in the first half, bit of a miscommunication with the back line. The header go back to, goes back to Chesney and almost a howler uh, that it goes in. You guys remember this play? Yeah, he's got a beautiful smile, doesn't he? Yeah, Frankenstein. That, that's right. I mean, you're in the derby. I give him credit for being able to smile because, oh, my God, if that goes in, you are Roma's worst enemy. So A diamond dropped out of my butt after that one. <laughs> great, great save for Shazanik. Vampire-looking boy. All right, guys, how about looking ahead? We do have some great games up for Week 16. Uh, let's start this off. We got another Twitter question from Milan Club Philly. Uh, Tad, you want to start us off? What's the question? Well, the question is very simple, and it is a very interesting one, is what are our predictions <laughs> for Roma versus Milan for sole possession of second place this coming Monday? Chris, what do you think? What's your prediction? I'm going to say Roma's feeling good, and they're going to win this one something like 2-1 to one against Milan. 
But I, I say it half-heartedly because I'm a Roma fan, and there's always we could have messed up missteps after a big game like OTFR. I like two one, but I think that it's going to be a convincing performance. Just that Milan's hot right now. A lot of youngsters on Milan's team. Huge game. They're going to put them to the test again. I just think that Eden Jekyll has got another trick up his sleeve before the year's up. Eden Jekyll 2016. Yeah, boy. You almost took the words right out of my mouth. I hate to go at Roma Club Philly and be such homers on the podcast. But Milan has been riding a wave of two unconventional sources, that being Suso and Lapadula, and they are playing extremely well. So if they're able to continue this type of success, they have a real shot at getting a result against Roma. Roma, though, have always, have been bringing it in the big games. They've crushed Napoli. They've crushed OTFR. Um, they take on a young Milan team um, that, you know, maybe they'll play with a, a bit of a chip on the shoulder and play without any fear. But I think that Roma's riding high. They know how to win this game, and they're going to take this game 2-0. I have a question for you guys. Any thoughts on uh, it, it got announced, I think, today that the sale between Berlusconi and the new owners is going to be uh, delayed yet again into February now? Is that going to deflate Milan at all going into uh, these last few games of just there's no money? There's no money with AC Milan. They got young players who are not, they don't have, you know, big salaries. So honestly, you know, good thing I'm a Roma fan. Let's just say that. Yeah. Berlusconi at this point, is, can you ever take this guy seriously? I don't like, think it's him. I, it sounds like it's the 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 foreign owners who just can't Well, come they're up apparently the going to kick $100 million into it, but like... The sale gets pushed back conveniently after the transfer window. What's going on here? Or conveniently after Renzi is about to step down. Ooh, yeah. That's too he, much. That's too juicy. Yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> a Fiorentina fan. Looks like they might sell Baca. I mean, I think they really need a strong Baca on this team to 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 continue forward. Um, what was the question? Whether it's going to affect their their play here yeah, in the oh, last definitely. few weeks. It's yeah. definitely. I mean, like this Milan is a team that needs to, to be able to make some moves. Yeah. So uh, Milan Club Philly, it kind of goes without saying uh, we were going to take that there, but we appreciate you reaching out on Twitter. We hope you enjoy the game. Ports uh, Roma. <laughs> Guys, the other prediction I want to throw out this week, we have the Turin Derby. Absolutely. Turin versus Juventus. Juventus is now one week away from their win, sorry, from their loss. They've already crushed a team after this. They play midweek champions. They're playing a Torino team that looks like they they really need to get this win. They got to be playing with a chip on their shoulder as well, not to overuse that cliche. Um, I guess you have to overuse it for cliche to be a cliche. Um, but how do you guys see this game coming out? I'm I'm gonna pull for Torino here, man, because they have had a stellar season so far. That I think that they can really do something against, admittedly, the bigger name. You said the chip on their shoulder. I think they're gonna play and they're gonna win. What's the score though? You got that's very important. I'm going to say 2-1 again, Torino. I like 2-0. I think that Torino is going to ride the bull, a.k.a. the stadium is going to be wild. And I think maybe the president will ride the bull in at halftime and do a, president a show Cairo. or something. <laughs> but honestly, I think the fans are going to really pump up the team, and I think that all the stars are going to align. Torino, 2-0. Let's Base. go. Base. Let's go. I think both of you guys are out of your friggin' minds. Um, Dybala is probably going to be back for this game. Um, you know, they might do a trident, Dybala, Iguain, Mandzukic. I know there's been a lot of tinkering going in this lineup, but I really think that Juventus is going to be too much for them. I don't think that Torino is going to be able to find a way to outscore Juventus. I'm going to go 2-1 Juventus. All right. Hold us accountable, guys. Uh, that's a good game. The other one I got to mention, Crotone plays Pescara down in the danger zone. We Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Crotone Pescara. What do, you, what do you think, Marco? What do you get when you get a battle between a dolphin and a salad garnish? <laughs> for the crouton. And it's it's the Saturday game at 12 o'clock for, for us on the East Coast. Crazy. Well, I know that I am going to be sitting here enjoying it by myself. <laughs> It's probably going to knock out any Real Madrid or Barcelona game. On being. Highlighted and being. Yep. I think the final prediction, guys, going into this week is there's been a, more news made by uh, the Diego Simeone uh, saga. His son comes out and says that he thinks that he's going to go to Inter. And 
with the first we've heard from Simeone, Diego Simeone himself, yeah. where he says that, of course, he's going to be coaching at Inter someday, but right now is not the time to talk about it. So do you think Simeone comes at the end of the year? I do. I think Pioli uh, up at Inter is just a placement uh, coach. No matter how well he does, I, I think if you're going to get Simeone, you're going to you're going to get him. So I think he's he's here next year. I can agree with that, uh, and I think the fact that Simeone has you know some time left on his contract is just going to make Atletico Madrid more more money. You know, and so I think in the end, it's it's going to be better for everybody. All right. Well, then I guess I got to have to be boring and agree with both of you as well. Why are they talking about it so much unless it's going to happen? Why would they wait for the contract to be up? Um, I think he's really got to be pulling for Inter, can pull something out in the second half so he can coach in Europe as yeah. well with this team. Right. Um, that's, a big, that's a good point. But, like, you know, I mean, they got they got a, they got a, a, a nice hot team. They got Mario Riccardi, who seems to have washed away all doubt and hatred about him by scoring a bunch of goals. I see him coming at the end of the year. Nice. All right, guys, let's uh, wrap up here. We do have some midweek champions in Europa action. Some games matter, some don't. Marco, why don't you run us through these? Yeah, I already talked about Benfica-Napoli, but, you know, basically it's it's a huge game because Besiktas, the third-place team in the group, is chomping at the bit, and they're going to be playing the lonely minnows in uh, Dinamo Kiev of the group. Uh, I think Napoli can do it. They just need to play really well because they're away from home. Juventus goes to Dinamo Zagreb, and they are going to have one eye on the derby this weekend. They're already through in their group. Um, Fiorentina goes to, uh, what do you call it, Ted? The Azurbani School for Young Wizards. Harry Hor- Potter reference. <laughs> Horbag FK. Uh, Fiorentina has to win or tie. PAOK is going to play against the last place team in the group, uh, and they have seven points. So uh, Fiorentina with 10. Um, the only way to be safe is is to win or tie. Sassuolo's already out, so they go against Genk. Uh, Astra Girju, Roma's already through, and they need to focus on the Milan game. And then Inter, they're just out. Uh, you know, they should probably be focusing on on everything else other than Europa League right now. Because focus on listening nothing. to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, all right, guys, there's uh, Champions Europa for midweek. I'd have to say Serie A Week 16 looks a lot more enticing than uh, European Champions for the Italian teams anyway. Except for the Napoli game. Yeah, so that's what we got coming up. Uh, looking forward to it. Definitely enjoy the Torino uh, Derby. That's going to be awesome. And then Monday when we're recording next week, we got Roma and Milan. For all the supporters clubs out there, uh, enjoy the game. Please find us, guys. We got social media we want to drop again. We got Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, Fabio Curve America. Please hit us up any way you can. We love the feedback. Do it. And until next time, ragazzi, we say Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao.